Hello and welcome to Historical Frictions, a historical fiction podcast where we delve into the nitty-gritty of history, fiction and everything in between. I'm Hilary and I'm joined as always by my co-host Tess. Hi! So this is our second bonus episode where we have a chat about a film or a TV series that is set in some sort of historical period. We'll introduce you to what we're talking about today in a moment but first how are you going test how's your last week been good i've been very busy yeah it's kind of leading up to my six month mark with my phd so doing a lot of stuff with my proposal and i had a, a practice presentation and things so it's been busy with that and one of my dogs needs surgery so we've been a bit <laughs> well, no. um, a bit busy yeah he's just having his teeth out the rest of his teeth we have italian greyhounds so they are prone to teeth problems they're both rescues so they're problems come from before we had them Not I was gonna bad. say if you're interested you can follow their adventures on Instagram because you've got an account <laughs> you that, can I'm one of those people yeah it's bobby <laughs> with an i dot yep. and dot daisy is that right yeah so yeah. I have put a few photos of them on our our story yeah they, they definitely keep me company while I read yeah um, so maybe I'll, I'll tag they're <laughs> little snuggle butts it's because so it's because I it's because I moved away from Sydney and where all my friends are, and everyone was like, "Now we want to see the dogs. We don't care about you." I know that's not true. But everyone was like, "We want to see the dogs." So I was like, "I'll make a separate Instagram just for these dogs, so that my friends yeah. back in Sydney can follow their adventures too." Without me having to send the same photo to like twenty different people. <laughs> well, this is very true. How yeah. have you been? <laughs> yeah, I've had a weird week. Our internet dropped mm-hmm. out for like 24 hours, which meant that we couldn't do anything. My partner works from home so <laughs> and like requires him to like download and upload shots and stuff like that because he's an animator. So that was fun. And then I also couldn't do any work. But yeah, I've just kind of again been plotting around I was supposed to try and read some more for the book that I'm doing not next month but the month after because it's a it's a mega chunk book it's like wow. 800 pages pages and I'm really struggling to read it so yeah mm. otherwise I started watching Buffy which I've never watched before. <laughs> you never watched it no oh, every time God. I say that everyone's like what Buffy's like a formative part of my childhood experience well, that's what everyone says so yeah I'm we finished the first season yesterday Mm-hmm. So we're at the very point of second season where Buffy's being a total bitch and everyone's like, mm. what is she doing? So yeah, well, I'll see how it goes. <laughs> Be interesting. But it's making me really It's, it's an interesting up. one to like, to like watch now. Like, oh my God, my feelings about that show are so different to when I watched it as like a very early teen. Yeah, because you watched um. it not that long ago. And um, I remember following your Instagram stories being like... Yeah, me and my friend, we watched, yeah. <laughs> we watched the first season. I think mostly... I think it must have been the second. Actually, I don't know how far we got, but we rewatched a bunch of it after I saw yeah. the Masters. But we both watched it as kids, so we were like reliving and being just ashamed of the things that we thought when we were yeah. younger. I mean, it was the nineties. It's a different time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway. we'll get <laughs> today's <into that>. topic. <laughs> As we mentioned, this is a bonus episode, which we're hoping to do every month. And at the moment, we're kind of keeping up a steady pace of doing it twice a month between our regular book episodes. These are shorter episodes and we'll be discussing 
popular culture and sometimes inviting guests to discuss their own topics plus you know their interests we already have uh, exciting guests lined up for the coming months uh, we've got a guest lined up for july and for august at this stage and we're going to try and get some more and stay tuned to the end of the podcast because we're going to have a little announcement about something exciting coming up for just over a week's time so tess this week's watching mm. was your suggestion so what did we watch yes so we both watched the 2020 brand new netflix series hollywood this was my suggestion because i binge watched it with my partner and had a lot of thoughts that i had so this is it's sort of an alternative history of post second world war hollywood that's set in 1947 1948 and it, so it explores the, the sexual and racial politics of Hollywood at the time, but it's kind of an, an alternate world ending to the narrative in the show. Basically, the show is a big what if for the period. So, you know, the idea of what if it wasn't taboo to be gay? What if we started including racial diversity, so black and Asian actors in particular in mainstream roles in production, in film, rather than being just background stereotypes or completely excluded? I understand the aim of this in theory but I also I'm very excited to talk about this premise and why I hated its execution in this show. <laughs> uh, just a heads up we are going to be talking about the whole series it's only a mini series but we are going to talk about the whole plot so we definitely will be dropping spoilers and also a uh, trigger warning we did want to mention that there will be a few mentions of suicide because that is the plot of the film that the characters produce within the miniseries as well as kind of period typical racism and homophobia issues that come up in the show so that's a sensitive issue for you take care of yourself be careful going forward to give everyone a basic overview of the show it's broadly based about the production of a film based on the life of peg entwistle who committed suicide by jumping off the hollywood sign because of the pressures of hollywood in general we are first introduced to jack costello who's a returning soldier with a young pregnant wife who's trying to make it as an actor in hollywood they're struggling to make ends meet and when drowning his sorrows in a dodgy bar, I think after a like failed audition or something or mm. yeah, he's approached by Ernie West who offers him a job in a gas station. We look quickly learn that the gas station is a front for an escort service for people who want to be in quotations taken to dreamland, AKA they want some <laughs> sexual excitement in their lives. When asked to attend to a male client who happens to be Cole Porter, the singer and songwriter, Jack initially refuses and quits. But when he, he comes back again, negotiates with Ernie and he finds Archie, who is a gay swinger, to handle male clients. So basically, Ernie is just like, you either do the job or you find someone who can because he's just refusing to engage with the male client. We find out that Archie is a screenwriter and he's written the film called Peg about the case that we mentioned, Peg and Whistle dropping off the Hollywood sign. And this is how we find Raymond Ainsley because his script uh, is basically put in what I would call the slush pile of scripts mm. that have been sent into this, this Hollywood office. And uh, Raymond, who is this half Filipino film director played by Darren Chris, basically. I still uh, appreciate that Darren Chris is the only actor's name that we've said thus far. I think you, you would He's the only one that. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Raymond's girlfriend is also Camille Washington. She's a black actress and she goes for the main part of Peg. 
and they adapt the ending so she doesn't jump off the Hollywood sign. Basically just sort of send a message to young black girls that you can actually succeed in Hollywood. So that it doesn't have a sad ending. Yeah, so for, it doesn't have a sad girls. ending. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I couldn't even think of that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, then Rock Hudson's also one of these people who turns up to the petrol station and meets Archie. So they end up dating and uh, having a relationship. Um, there's also two film executives involved and the wife of the studio owner who produces this film who basically takes control of the production when her husband's in, in hospital. So basically the whole thing is following the pr- production of the film, the challenges. They changed the film title from Peg to Meg. <laughs> yeah, you know, essentially the whole... The whole show is tackling the trials and tribulations of this production with a whole cast of different characters who are involved in in the whole production of the, the film. And it, it ends with the film doing very well at the Oscars. So, like you mentioned, throughout the series, there are a lot of different characters. Some are real, some are made up. All kind of fictionalised versions of real people. Essentially, the main protagonists are made up. Love a film about queer black representation with a straight white male lead. Anyway, we also have some characters that are loosely based on Hollywood higher-ups. We have the actor like Rock Hudson, Agent Henry Wilson is in it, Anna Mae Wong, who's a Chinese-American actress, black actress Hattie McDaniel, and Vivian Lee. Also, Eleanor Roosevelt makes a, a brief appearance, and I think there is a very, like, sneaky little reference to her lesbian love affair, which is fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the show is sort of theoretically inspired by true events, but like we said, with this, with this twist, with this what if the world was different. So I guess I have very strong feelings, but I'll ask you first, Hilary, but what, what did you actually think? Did you enjoy the show? I really liked the first episode. I found that as it went on, it was a bit hard for me to like push forward, and I don't quite know whether that's something that you felt. But the first episode is very much like, banger in Hollywood this is really exciting there's a there's an underground culture that we're trying to explore especially through like gay men and their relationships and how they have to go and do go go to like this gas station to even have like you know sexual relationships with people because they don't want to be out in the world but I found as that went on it didn't really like it kind of that particular aspect of it dies away as well and it kind of comes Mm. up again later when they're trying to raise some money for the for the film but yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I think you have mixed feelings about it too. I'm just not, I'm not convinced that it was actually that good. Mm. I really enjoyed the aesthetic, particularly at the beginning. I was like, yes, I love, love this. The it's so <laughs> shiny. I really liked, I think that the way that they did the aesthetic of it, I don't know if this was sort of intentional, but actually worked quite well to sort of be like, you know, this is Tinseltown, this is the the shiny surface of what you see in Hollywood, and then there's this sort of underground toxicity to a lot of what was going on. So I liked that it sort of looked like this shiny world, and you see it through the eyes of the main white dude, through Jack. So, like, it starts with him, like, watching this, this ad for Hollywood and stuff. So you get this idea of, like, the glamour, the appeal of Hollywood at the time that I liked. Yeah. My problem with it, what I really didn't like is the way that they executed this sort of alternate world. So I'm not, I'm not against shows where I can't tell what's real and what's not. Like I'm not saying I need to be able to tell what's accurate and what's made up, Mm -hmm. but I felt like the way that they chose what to include and what not to include of the realities of this period for minority groups Mm -hmm. was very weirdly selective Mm -hmm. and didn't carry across their narrative very 
well. So this is something that I, I think I have a bit of a personal beef with maybe with historical fiction in general with counterfactual histories. So um, counterfactual histories, this idea of, you know, what would have happened if something else had gone differently in the past? Mm -hmm. So like, what would have happened if Hitler had died before the war? Like, the, you know, big people do really big ones or really small ones, but it's this idea of, you know, what's an alternate history that would have developed? What would have happened if this hadn't happened, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and people, as some historians use them quite interestingly, and I think it can be quite good, but I think they have very strong sort of potential political power that could be quite problematic. And what I think you really have to ask of any show that does that intentionally is who does it put the kind of the onus on for the change? So, you know, this, this show to me made it like the minorities were the ones who could have behaved differently and changed Hollywood. Like the oh, world would have, the world would have reacted differently if a bunch of people had just been brave enough to make this film. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Right? And so my, my problem with that is that that's so not true of the period. So to me, it, it didn't yeah. feel like what, would it, what could Hollywood have been like if the world was different? It felt like what could Hollywood have been like if a bunch of people had been brave and been themselves? Because, you know, this is, this is in the, the late 40s. So segregation is still in place in a lot of places in America. The Hays Code, absolutely going strong. Like homosexuality was illegal. Uh -huh. You know, the, the challenges these people faced weren't just cultural. They were really structural. And I think that uh. the way that it sort of naively shows these characters being able to live these lives actually really undercuts a lot of what these people went through trying to be themselves in this period. Particularly when you've got a real like a real life person like Rock Hudson mm. that, you know, like there's this one quote that I read in an article when I was looking, looking up some of the, you know, fact and fiction of Hollywood that sort of said, the quote was, which gives Hollywood significant room to imagine how his life and career might have gone differently if he'd been more open about his sexuality. And I was like, if he'd been more open, like if he'd just decided to like, that's not what <laughs> it's this sort of, weird responsibility that it puts onto minority groups who yeah. are being oppressed to change the oppression. And that's a really common thing with counterfactuals I've found about certain periods. Like it'll sort of be like, well, what would have happened if people had actually protested and changed things earlier? And you're like, well, that's not necessarily how it works. So really, I like this, you know, I like this idea in theory, how cool, how cool would golden era Hollywood have been if there wasn't racism and homophobia? Yeah. Right, I love that. I love, I, I aesthetically love this period and I think it's really interesting. And so as soon as it started, I was like, oh my God, I'm so down for a less racist Hollywood. But I think because they included bits of that, like they had a little bit of homophobia, they had, you know, the characters were a little scared to be, express themselves in public. They had a few attacks, like they threw, I think it was like fire bricks through windows or like fire, they lit some things on fire outside the houses of the people. Oh uh, yeah, they the had film. the the clan put the crosses on fire out in front of certain people in the production crew's houses. Yes. So they sort of they went a little way to try and show some of what this threat was to these people's lives for doing something different. But then they just sort of like skated past that and then pretended that everyone was just fine. I was sort of, mm. I was like, ah. <laughs> I think that that's what I found really difficult about it is I guess the whole thing about it being counterfactual is that mm. they're trying to not portray it as being shiny kind of counterfactual. I think these people's lives are still really hard and mm. they're still facing these 
challenges. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what the moral of the story is. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I didn't know what to take away from it because from what he said about it, it was very like, what if people, what if people had had the courage to be different? Wait, who, which he? Ryan Murphy, sorry, ah, the creator yeah. of the show, Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Of, I, now I couldn't find that article again. but And I think that when he was saying that, he was trying to say, you know, what if, like, studio executives had been different? Mm. But, but I just think that the way he does that actually just kind of diminishes, kind of, like, disrespects the actual challenges that people mm. faced. I mean, so, and like, so the Hayes Code, which is sort of mentioned in the miniseries in terms of what they can represent was a kind of self-imposed censorship system because Mm. in sort of the 30s there was so much popular uproar against certain representations in film that the government was like oh my god we might need to actually impose like censorship and Mm -hmm. executives in Hollywood and various people were like oh we don't want the government to actually have to kind of have these have these laws about what we can and can't do. We'll make our own system and then they won't have to do that and they won't mm-hmm. have to kind of police and enforce these, this system. So they, there's this code that they all, they all have to follow. So technically there is a little bit of like wiggle room. They can sort of like, they were choosing in a way, they were choosing to follow the code, but they also, like they had to, kind of protection against more enforcement is my understanding of it. And it wasn't just about now like queer or racial representation. There's lots of, there's lots of elements to it. Like it was, you couldn't have certain types of crimes. You couldn't have certain plot lines against the law or against authority. Like there's all these different elements to it. It wasn't just, just about sexuality, but that has a big element to it. That comes into it because the film that Peg Entwistle was mm. actually cast in had like a lesbian yeah. overtones or undertones storyline, which she then obviously was decommissioned I guess because of the Hayes Code and then she basically mm. in the th- like in the 30s she went and jumped off the Hollywood sign because she was very mm. distraught about it it's like the legacy of that comes into play because you've got mm. the people who are like I don't I don't know I found that I found that it was interesting that they obviously not only did they have a black woman as the main character but they also had an interracial couple on screen which was quite cool mm. for the the move the fictional movie that they're making about uh, Peg and Whistle's life, but yeah, because Jack's the romantic lead in the film. Jack, yeah, I don't think we actually said that. Um, so yeah, he gets a part. <laughs> yeah, he gets part. He's the romantic lead in this film about Peg. So, so it's also yeah, they made it an interracial couple. It's, I don't know. It's, it's just, just a strange weird. one. It's yeah, a very I just think one. I think maybe the idea is okay, but I don't like the execution because I don't think that. I don't think in terms of representing a historical period that was so difficult for so many people, I don't think that it does that justice in the way that he wanted to. Like, I just felt myself watching this show, particularly the last two or three episodes. I felt myself watching it the whole time and just thinking, well, that, he'd be dead. Like, you, you would be killed for that. That's not something that would be done, you know. Um, you mean Archie? Oh, well, all of them, but yeah, Archie in particular at some points, like I was like, literally he'd be lynched. Like, you know, yeah. this sort of so, and I think, again, my problem is that they represent a little bit of it, but then they sort of overcome it in this weird way as though it was their own like courage and commitment to the film that they were making that allowed them to overcome these problems. And like, oh, well, if only someone had gone and gotten Eleanor Roosevelt on side. Like, it's this, like, yeah, I just don't feel like it actually does any justice to what was going on in that period because it sort of sidesteps those those problems 
in a weird way. I think, you know, in this effort to be like, what could the world have been like, which I think is very cool and could have been a very cool concept. It actually just, yeah, it just sort of erases the challenges that people actually faced. (laughs) It's like it tries to place these characters in a historical context in order to show how they they could have rebuked the like the order of things Mm. but still placing that historical context on them so they are restrained in a certain way and it's kind of like well why would why would you do that if you're doing a counterfactual history why wouldn't you just like shed all the stuff off anyway like I just I like I guess the point that I'm getting at is I find it very weird that they they are still you know bogged down in homophobia and racism mm. and you know they they're worried about the clan like mm. you know getting them and they're worried about the studios worried that they're not going to be able to show any of the any of the film in um in the south in the south and mm-hmm. so that that stuff all kind of runs through the show from mm. from especially the production of the film and then at the very end, it's almost like none of that even mattered. Like, you know, the film breaks all the records, like opening mm-hmm. weekend records. They win all these Oscars. Like, it's almost like... A, and then at the very end of the film, it's like, you know, everyone's sort of planning to do their next projects and they're all very progressive and... Yeah. Yeah, I don't and know. I think it doesn't just erase, you know, the the difficulty of that moment, but I think also a lot of stuff that comes after, like, you know... Think about like what people what people went through to change racial racial segregation in America. Is that now just irrelevant? Does that not happen? Like that's great that that doesn't have to happen. But yeah, so this they, do like, they then you know, rewrite black civil rights? Like <laughs> yeah, and like the AIDS, like Rock Hudson. The reason that we sort of know some of the kind of personal history of his life is that after he he died from AIDS, we learnt a lot more about his experiences. And I think, you know, does that, does that still happen? What's the history of like the AIDS crisis in America? If we have this different queer politics from the forties onwards, like it doesn't. Yeah, I, just, I think that's, that's true. Like you don't, you don't get to understand what exactly the consequences are for changing this history. And like, obviously yeah. that's not the story that it wants to tell, but it's kind of like, that's definitely what we, it's the implications we have taken out of that. Like, I was just like, what does this even mean? Like, what happens afterwards? <laughs> yeah, like I think I just, maybe they just didn't quite decide exactly what they wanted to do. Like I think yeah. they sort of almost did one thing, almost did another thing, kind of just went between different bits and pieces of what a message could have been that you draw from this. And I think, again, part of my issue is because they had these real characters, like like Anime Wong, who mm. we see at the beginning because Darren Chris's character, Raymond Ainsley, wants to, originally wants to produce a film about her set in, I think, Shanghai, and it's a sort of an Asian culture mm. being represented because he talks about being half Filipino and there's this sort of backlash against that and he's told he's not going to be allowed to make that film unless he makes something else work first as a, as a director. So he's mm. got to do this other project first and that's how he gets into it. But he, we see this moment where he goes and talks to her, to Anime Wong, and she's very, very pessimistic, rightly so, about Hollywood and representation and what he's going to be able to achieve when she finds out he hasn't actually had his picture accepted that he's going to talk to her first. And then we see her at the end receive an Oscar for her work in Peg because she's then, or Meg, sorry, because she's in that, she's in the film that they make as a a supporting actress. And it all, it sort of makes it seem like these real people and these kind of legends of Hollywood who she was 
like very fucked over by racism in the industry. And it sort of makes it seem like her pessimism was unwarranted because these people very quickly within less than a year changed the face of Hollywood somehow by not really doing anything. Yeah. And it's sort of like, it makes it seem like she just didn't have enough like energy or didn't have enough commitment to do it herself and that she could have, but she could have, like yeah. anyone could have changed the world if they just made, they just did it. Like it's this, you know what I mean? I really do like, and, and it's it. sort of almost like they lose their, their sort of status as mm. leading the way for future generations. I found anime Wong's character really interesting, especially when she's talking about the sort of stereotypes that she has to play. Cause obviously we have, you know, Camille Washington's character, we've seen her playing the sort of the stereotypical maid in the in sort of the first couple of episodes before the whole film sort of takes off. You know, she tries to sort of add a little bit more into it and everyone's just like, the director's like has a go at her and tells her that she's fired. But Anime Wong's sort of like talking about this sort of, she's either playing this one particular stereotype or she's playing another particular stereotype and she didn't get this this particular role which actually i think happened just mm. this this yeah, particular role that happened i don't know i don't know exactly the role but she did a screen test for it and she was excellent it was actually for an asian character but then she got passed up for a white woman who then went on to win the oscar mm-hmm. yeah and i find it's kind of funny because she's probably the main apart from darren chris being half filipino which kind of gets sort of you know forgotten she's the main sort of Asian representation in this film. And she kind of, she does end up winning an Oscar for her role in Meg. But I don't know, you kind of almost the opposite of it with Hedy McDaniel's Hedy character. McDaniel, yeah. Yeah, so she she has this brilliant monologue where she talks about, you know, winning the Oscar for Gone with the Wind. She basically played that role because she was the child of slaves and, you know, she was like, this is my, you know, my grandparents, this is, I'm playing this role, but also experiencing segregation because she had to go through a different area of the theatre to like even... Um, and that that's true as well, like that's yeah. based on her experiences with that too. What I'm, um, so what I'm trying to get at is at that... the 1940 Academy Awards, I think. Yeah, something like that. Who knows about Gone with the Windows? Because she was the first... She was the first black da- black actress to get um, uh, an Academy Award. So it was for su- yeah, supporting and, actors. Uh, in the there's a cool YouTube video that sort of goes into sort of like there's the the real stuff that happened and then there's the fake stuff that happened and uh, in the in the series and they sort of mention that despite what the show represents with Camille winning the Oscar, it actually wasn't until Halle Berry won the Oscar for mm. uh, I in like what, 2000, like 2008. I or something like it's ridiculous. It was in the 2000s. I've forgotten what film it was. Yeah. For, but she's the first black actress to win an Oscar after Hedy McDaniel, which is fucking insane. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Oscars so white is, is a big other issue that we, we don't have time to talk about. But yeah. the point that I was trying to make is that in having that relationship with Hedy sort of becoming a bit of a mentor for Camille, she's able to pass that gauntlet onto her being like, this is the struggle that we've had. Mm-hmm. I was, wasn't even allowed to sit up the front with the rest of the cast gone with the wind. I had to like sit at the back. I wasn't able to even take pride of place and win this Oscars pride of place. And mm-hmm. of course that means that Camille, when she's sort of initially told that she can't sit with the rest of the cast for Meg, because she's black, she threw it. She threw it like I'm. I've got the sort of weight of um, Hedy McDaniel's behind me, and I'm going to tell these guys to basically fuck off. Whereas anime Wong's kind of like Asian representation stuff kind of just doesn't go anywhere. 
Mm. And that kind of, I think, was a missed opportunity. Sorry, that was a really long, like, winded way to try and get to my point there. But, like, no, I think, true. but you know what I mean? Like, there's Yeah, some, actually, I'm sorry. No, no. And, like, that sort of stuff comes across in the queer representation as well because you've mm. got the the consequence of this film being made and sort of what the decisions were Rock Hudson decides to, instead of just hiding his sexuality, he decides to walk the red carpet with his boyfriend, Archie, who also wrote the film, hand in hand. And it's black. <laughs> and it's black, hand in hand. They would have gone to prison. Would have gone to prison. They <laughs> if not been killed. A, yeah. Anyway, uh, yes. <laughs> they share a kiss and they it's do. all very controversial, but like the consequence of that is agent henry wilson who represents rock hudson who is also known to have been sexually abusive towards his clients he then sort of turns a new leaf at the very end of the film and goes you know what i'm going to do i'm going to produce a film because he becomes a producer in the course of the series he turns a new leaf and says okay i'm going to now produce a film where the love story is about two gay men basically rock and archie's love story which i think is funny because at the very end of the film they're represented as two white people so that's a different story but (laughs) yeah i think so there's sort of like you can kind of see elements of the transition of the change happening but yeah i think Mm. anime anime wong's one kind of is left a little bit too open-ended and like there isn't that yeah 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 i mean i actually think i actually think that the representation of darren chris's character and his kind of experiences being half filipino was quite good because that is something that he he deals with in real life and that idea of like being sort of passing like archie mentioned they had this conversation where he's sort of like well i am half asian though and archie's like yeah but you don't look at like you can get away with it i think there's an interesting i thought that was actually quite interesting to include because that is something that a lot of people that is a real a real kind of political issue and at the moment in terms of various not just not just racial issues other like queer representation as well as idea of like passing and whether or not you know you deal with the same challenges in a community if you're if you're kind of if you can pass right that's the as being you know not part of that minority so what privileges you get away with and i think that that was i think that was quite good because they still talked about his heritage and he included that explicitly. And I think that's something maybe Darren Chris may have been, I don't know if he was involved in that, but I know he's talked about that as an actor sometimes as well. Mm. So I thought that was good, but yeah, I definitely think they could have done a lot more with Asian representation given this ideal world they're creating. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's such a big like part of like American culture. There's quite a big Asian population, especially in California, when people came over, like it's similar mm. to Australia, where we had a lot of Chinese immigrants when it came, they came over for the gold rush, and of course we had a lot of Vietnamese post-war, post-Vietnam War period. And I've also been thinking about it as well because there's been a lot of discussion about it with MasterChef this season because there's so much Asian representation mm. and. and everyone's like absolutely ecstatic about it because they're actually cooking genuine Asian food and people are loving it. And like, yeah. And like, even for instance, like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I love MasterChef, but like last, the like immunity challenge that they had yesterday, they were all Asian contestants and everyone was just like, this is, this is the best. So yeah, yeah, I think it's taken like 2020 for us to get to that sort of thing. Right. So yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And the only reason I bring it up is because I found that that then wasn't really reflected in like the sort of tackling of the Asian stereotype in Hollywood, especially in that era of the like, like forties, early fifties. Yeah. Cause they set it up that that's something they're going to deal with a lot more than I think they actually do. 
but it's basically I think the parcel for that is that oh we've cast anime Wong in this and she wins an Oscar yeah yay <laughs> like that's yeah. that's it really mm. yeah but again because that's that's why that's the same I think the same sort of problem that I keep coming back to of they sort of do it and they sort of don't <laughs> they yeah. sort of represent the challenges but they sort of fix them they sort of like and I mean with with Hattie McDaniel's character, I think it's really awesome and actually interesting the way they represent her bisexuality as a sort of thing that she, that was sort of behind closed doors and then not necessarily something that was super public from my memory, unless there's a moment that I'm forgetting, but she sort of has this, this in her home, she has this ability to live her life, but then once she had to, once she's out in public, you don't see that. Yeah. Um, and I think that is much more true to the way that people had to live their lives in Hollywood when they had queer relationships that it was this sort of behind closed yeah. doors thing. And so it's weird to me that some characters are represented in that way and some aren't. Like, that's why I sort of was like, ah. I don't but, know, maybe they're trying to get at that sort of like old school, new school kind of thing as well. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I hate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm not, yeah. I, don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily represented. Yeah, but I think that why, that's yeah. true though. You're right. That that fits into the the narrative with some of those other characters too, like Anime Well, that this is the previous generation, and now these new young people are coming in and like being able to do something different. Mm. I guess. I don't and I know. guess maybe that's also what they're trying to do. Like, there's that the the hidden element to these old old school Hollywood people, like like Hattie, but also like uh, Henry Wilson as well, and then these new people who are coming out and actually coming out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're actually presenting themselves as out in the world rather mm. than being in, inside there. And that, that's, yeah, and not just not just the queer representation. There's also a bit of a plot line with um, whether or not they sort of reveal that Archie is a black screenwriter because, you know, his name doesn't oh, necessarily. Yeah, so there's other elements to that too, which I think is interesting for Hollywood because there would have been a lot of people behind the scenes and a lot of kind of, you know, you don't know that so many people who worked on movies may have been queer or may have been black or may have been Asian or all these uh, different mm. minorities. It's, if they're not in the lead roles, you don't necessarily see them and they were kind of hidden. Their successes were hidden in a lot of ways. Yeah, for but sure. one thing, just about that narrative, I think, of the kind of previous generation issue that I really don't like, I think is quite a dangerous narrative to tell is because it sort of enables this discourse of like the previous generation is less progressive than us, therefore now we're going to do better when actually that just really allows a kind of shitty discourse about old people being conservative and young people being progressive, which absolutely isn't true based on, you know, like there's, there's like young Nazis out in the world today. Um, but it also it really shits all over the intersectionality of people's experiences in life. Like what about black queer women who are now 80? You think that they're conservative? Like there's this sort of idea that once you get old, you're going to be conservative. And that kind of is going to be more significant than your other identities and your other experiences in life that now you're old you're, you're like do you know what I mean it's not but it's this sort of weird like oh they're just they're just the older generation mm. that people often say in a real sweeping kind of way and I think it really takes away from what elder experiences in a lot of communities bring to progressive movements. I think there's a lot of cool interaction between the sort of older queer community in Sydney and stuff and the younger mm. queer community because yeah. I went to Sally Rogg's book launch when she mm. released her book and uh, one of the original like OG Mardi Gras mm. from the 70s 76ers. was yeah yeah 76s he he actually launched the book which was really nice. Yeah, right? 
So there's all of this interaction in communities between different generations. But sometimes we get this narrative about like the separation between them, between this idea of like Mm. an older generation being shitty and a young generation being Mm. progressive. So yeah, that's that perfectly illustrates like my point, right? that's not how it actually is yeah anyway there's also another element to that where i think a lot of people kind of go they don't know how hard it was for us so they don't Mm. understand how lucky they are and this show could have represented so much more complexity to that as as many things but yeah but i think as we were saying before we started recording i think a lot of Ryan Murphy's projects who, mm. if you don't know, he'd created and wrote and directed quite a lot of Glee. And that's also got personal quite... beef with Ryan Murphy. Yeah. So I think there's a personal <laughs> beef with Ryan Murphy where I think that he's sort of got a very shallow way of telling something that he really wants to try and get across. So like, you know, the, the whole point of this is like, what if, and then like, let's just tell that in the most shallow way possible by including some, including some elements, but also not fully yeah. realizing and I the think... idea. It's, it's such a common thing in queer media that is made to be consumed in the mainstream, so effectively mm-hmm. made for, like, straight audiences as well, where you see this, like, very specific image of, like, an attractive young white man mm-hmm. with, like, the white T-shirt and the brunette, slightly curly hair and the blue eyes and the whatever. Like, it's a very particular aesthetic as a sort of into the story for other people consuming it who aren't going to see themselves reflected in the queer or black characters, right? So, like, the main character is essentially a white man. Yeah. You get who is it's, straight. It's really common. Often straight. I was going to say that examples of, like, queer media, there was a, a film about Stonewall <laughs> recently, a couple of years ago, that everyone was really mad about because they added in this guy who's that exact description. Like, he's often wearing the white T-shirt, this very pretty young white boy. He's gay, but... He represents this, like, this idea that people aren't going to be able to relate to the media unless they have, like, the neutral Mm. representation, which in Hollywood is, like, pretty young white dude. So, and that completely, in that film, it completely took away from the role of of queer women, of drag queens, of transgender women, of black women in those riots because Mm. it it inserted this young white boy to, like, tell the narrative. Mm. And... It's a really, it's a really common, difficult thing. And once you look for it, like you see it all the time. Where I mean, that's like, even common with Glee. Like you've got the sort of, yeah. you know, jock turn Glee singer who mm. becomes the, the main point. And I mean, like, if you think about it quickly, like even revising the point of view from, from this character of Jack to maybe mm. even looking at it as an alternative history about Rock Husband or something. Yeah. That would have worked. Any of the other characters could have been the main character. That would have nicely subverted that particular stereotype and queer representation, I think. Like, if you know what I mean, like that sort of pretty, pretty white, like pretty white boy who may or may not be queer. We've got him who's like very insecure, wants to do what he wants to do, but is not sure, like, he's just sort of swept up in this world. Yeah, he really undercuts a lot of those stereotypes about the kind of Hollywood man, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, that would have been a really nice way to subvert it, I think. But obviously mm-hmm. that's not what we get. <laughs> um, yeah. And I get, I think, I, I think at the beginning of that, I get this idea that that's like, that is part of that image of Hollywood from the period. And so they wanted you to start, maybe to start with that. Oh, totally. That was sort of like maybe playing into it. It was playing into it for sure. Yeah. It was very, very kitschy in a way. Like, you know, this is. I hated moment. it. <laughs> yeah. I hated but, that. Don't play into it. But Be radical. Like, Give me Darren Criss as a lead. What? <laughs> this is this is what I was no. is why I struggled with the series is because mm. the first episode is kind of like you can go along with that 
even if it's a bit you know tasteless or whatever you go along with it but it feels like, intentional this is, this is what yeah this is what mm. we're looking at and then it's not 100 percent like i don't know it's just not carried through the rest of it no it's not that's i think the that's my main takeaway right is it's like it's just a bit confused the tone and i think you can tell from us because we're confused talking about yeah. it as well because we're it just like i don't know what to say like <laughs> yeah it doesn't have a clear main character even though it but it doesn't but it also doesn't achieve the idea of the like the group of leads it doesn't achieve that anyway so it doesn't, it doesn't do either it doesn't represent the actual struggles and structural challenges of the world that these minority groups faced but it also doesn't take them away completely yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't really deliver justice to characters that suffered from the previous generation but it also doesn't show the actual struggles they went through it's just it doesn't it's, quite do either thing that it wants to do on any level it's and that's very why I yeah it's it. very confused and it's it's yeah. yeah and it just leaves it left me feeling like like when we sort of decided to watch this you were like i was like oh, okay well i'll watch the first episode and then like you wanted to talk about the whole thing so i was like okay i'll keep i was watching. like you've got to watch the whole thing yeah and then by like episode three i was like <laughs> because because the first episode though is so different yeah like, it's totally different episode, it's you, upbeat you literally, yeah it feels like it's trying to be a fake send-up almost of like a 1940s hollywood film yes where everything's like well golly gee like that's that's good sir yes. But I was waiting for the crash and burn and it yeah. doesn't happen, but it doesn't not happen. And it's weird. It just totally completely shifts by the end of the first episode. And you're just like left going, Ugh. like, I, yeah. I mean, like the only bit that really struck emotionally with me was when I was hoping that Camille gets the Oscar. Like I was just like, please let her win. Because mm-hmm. I think what was funny was like, they do the shots of all the other like actresses that have been nominated and stuff. And they always do a smug little like, <laughs> like I've, I'm being nominated and I'm probably going to win. But like, yeah, tonally, it just doesn't quite know what it's going for. And I think that's probably why we're so confused is because we're just, it's a roller coaster. Like it's, it's like, oh, are we being serious about gay issues here? Like, are we being, are we being serious about racial diversity? Mm -hmm. Are we being serious about this? But then it's kind of like, you know, we wouldn't be surprised if they did like some sort of like weird tuba soundtrack on the bottom of some of the scenes and like, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's that it's that issue of I can't tell I can't tell what his message is. I can't tell if he's trying to put if he's intentionally trying to put the onus of this change on individuals or if he's really trying to tell me what would it be like if the world was different. And I think that's the problem because that's what he says he was trying to achieve. Like what would it be like if the 40s had actually seen this shift? What would my childhood be like? He said, you know, Ryan Murphy said, what would it have been like for me as a young gay person if I had seen a different Hollywood? I get that. But moments like, right, you mentioned Hattie McDaniel didn't get to sit with the other co-stars because she's black. She also didn't get to go to the the, the after party of the Oscars, even though Mm. she won the Academy Award, even though she won. Like, it's this whole... But then when we see Camille go up... She gets to go up on stage as well. I'm not... I don't know. Camille just stands... The guard is like you can't come through and Camille just stands up to him and a couple of her co-stars stand up to him and then they're just let through. I was like, that makes it seem like if, if you just stand up to the guard that tells you you're not allowed in, you'll just be allowed in. Yeah. Whereas you can, like, that's not how segregation worked. <laughs> no, like it's in the law to tell this person that they are not equal, you know, and I mean, it would have been, mm. yeah, they would have had to face consequences. Like she probably could have been dragged out of the theater by police. She would have like, been locked up. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, sorry. It doesn't matter if she's a movie star, I don't think. But there are other films, I think, that do it better. And I think you can strike the balance between, like, showing individual protests, showing individuals as being able to enact change in the world and stand up to the challenges of the world, but at the same time show that those structural, like, restrictions are there and how they affect people's lives. Like, I, I don't know if this is a good example because this is not my area of history and also I'm white, but Hidden Figures, the one about the, the oh, women yeah. who were involved in the space launch, the black women who were um, computers, they, they did the maths. There's one point where like she needs to go to the bathroom and she goes to the wrong one because she like has to run across the hole. Like it's this big thing. And she personally, one of the characters like faces a lot of these restrictions in the world. And they really, they really, to me, I thought they really depicted that quite well where she's like, I can't drink out of this fucking coffee cup. Are you kidding? I have to drink out of that one. I'm the only black person in this room and I'm about to like change the trajectory of history and but you, you sort of see that played out a lot better and when she confronts some of those challenges it's really satisfying because you're like oh yes fuck them up like you're so <laughs> it's so frustrating the whole film to see how she's restricted in these ways and then the moments where they break through that really are rewarding mm. this show didn't do that there's no it didn't feel rewarding because it didn't feel you don't feel the pressure of the world they lived in but you also don't feel the relief that they felt. Like, I, don't, I didn't feel it. Do you know what yeah, I mean? By, un, I by taking away some of that, the challenge, but not really actually explicitly taking away the challenge. It didn't, I don't think it achieved what he wanted. No, and I don't show. know whether that's because it was time constraints or. I don't know. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. Personally, just don't think they thought it through very well as a yeah, show. Yeah, that's but true. I don't know. Maybe viewers won't think it through as much as, they, as we do. And maybe it's fine, but I think it's all about subconscious messages that we take away from media that we consume and the way that those narratives kind of end up embedded in stuff that I don't yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Would you, I mean, we've kind of talked about the whole show, but would you actually recommend it to people? I really enjoyed the first episode. And I think if I'd gone into it with a, a better understanding of what it was trying to do, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. I think it's very well made. Like it's it's aesthetically very pleasing. Mm. <laughs> um, not well made as a narrative, and I don't like a lot of the message. But I think as a show, as a kind of production value, I really enjoyed it. It looks beautiful. It looks so beautiful. Yeah. And Darren Chris is great. In case you couldn't tell, I'm a big fan. I would recommend watching him in everything he's ever in. So I say yeah. Like I would say watch it, but watch it with a critical eye. <laughs> you know. I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it at all. I think maybe I'll be like, if you feel like I watched the first episode and don't go past yeah. that. I was kind of disappointed that they didn't do more with the whole gas station escort yeah. service. Yeah. I thought the whole plot was going to be based around that. After yeah, the first me too. Like, it's just I, gone, basically. This is gone. And I got like one scene where Darren Chris is wearing the cute outfit and then that was it. I was like, excuse me? This is on the poster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, cause I know that's not a priority here. No, but I understand. I was like, I want to down Chris in that little hat for longer. Thank you. I just feel like that would have been a much more interesting story to tell yeah. because obviously these people are coming to this particular service to get that, that <laughs> sort of experience. I don't know. It just. I think, yeah, I think it would have been a really good way to, to base it around that as a central point and, and yeah. the experiences, the people that came through there who worked there, who were like customers, that would have been yeah. a cool way to tell those stories. Yeah. And especially cause like Ernie's like the, the gas station owners come, oh, we all come so underutilized. Yeah. And he's like, we, he come, awesome. we all come to Hollywood with a dream to do stuff mm. and we end up doing other things to get there. Whereas like, obviously they will just make it. 
<laughs> yeah, I was like, we'll just make it. Even Ernie makes it. No, like he, just... he gets the like talking part and Meg, and yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. because like the problem is that to have a happy ending, you have to have had tension that made it feel that that makes it feel good, that makes you feel like you've achieved the ending. Right, and I they don't do that. That's it's bad. like the the tension is that they can't. They're frustrated because they can't. They like they can't get their dream to come true. Yeah, and there's so many small victories. Like it doesn't it doesn't track well as a narrative to make you invested in these characters and feel the tension of what may or may not be achieved and then get there. So mm-hmm. if you yeah, my I'll shift my advice. Watch the beginning, but if you're not enjoying it, just stop because it does not get better. That's what I wished I'd done. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you for watching the whole thing so that no, we can talk welcome. about it, though. I feel a lot better having gotten to have my rant about it. Yeah, you expressed all your <laughs> negativity out in the world. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good spot to finish our conversation about that and move on to something nicer, something more positive. Hillary, you have a special announcement. Yes, I do. So some fan, get some fanfare. Da, 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 da. We're going to try and do a live event, which we are both a bit probably nervous about, to be honest. <laughs> but um, so on Tuesday, the 9th of June, this podcast will come out on the 3rd of June and on the 9th, so the following Tuesday, we're going to do a Facebook live event where we're going to watch the very first episode of The Tudors together. <laughs> so to do this, you'll just need to follow us on Facebook and have a way to watch the episode or you know you can just watch us watch along it doesn't really matter in australia uh, the tutors is currently on stan or amazon prime video plus you can get it on dvd if you're really that keen we'll do a brief chat following the episode as well about how we felt about it and some of the historical stuff plus we're going to try and live tweet along with it as well we'll see how that goes we might just get too distracted to- talking to each other so i think if you are watching with us you can kind of comment yeah. on the live stream and we'll see that and hopefully we can then like reply to questions or yeah. include people other people's thoughts that they add in the comments into what we're saying yeah for sure which would be very exciting also if you missed the episode like miss us doing the live thing we'll cut it down to uh an episode and it'll be our bonus episode yes yeah join us join us so, as we attempt to struggle with technology yeah join us as we attempt to struggle with technology i think i figured it out so <laughs> We'll go from there. So basically, we will post about it beforehand to let you know. Uh, but it's from going to be from seven thirty uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time. So it's seven seven o'clock in Adelaide where you are, Tess. Seven o'clock and to me. Five thirty Perth time. I'm not one hundred percent sure about other time zones in the world, but you can figure it out. And I think also the live stream will be saved to our Facebook page as well. So mm-hmm. if you you know, do you want to watch the whole thing later? You can. Yeah, exactly. You'll be able to. Yes. Yeah, so please join us for that. It'll be interesting to see if it goes well, and if it does, we'll probably try and do it again in the future. An experiment. Yeah, an experiment. Yeah. And um, don't forget after that that we are going to be discussing our third book and getting into the the novels we're reading for June. So our first one is Into the World by Stephanie Parkin, yeah, which Hillary is going to be reading. And if you haven't already, you can listen to our first two book discussions plus our little introduction episode and the other bonus episode all on our various platforms from Anchor to Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. 
and let us know if you have any suggestions. Please send us an email, contact us through our social medias. If you've got something you want us to watch or read, we would love to hear from you. Later this month, we're also probably going to be discussing The Great, the new series on Stan in Australia that loosely, loosely depicts the early life of the Russian Empress Catherine the Great. So if you want to watch that, one of my friends actually worked on it in the art department. So I definitely want to spruik it. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so watch that in the meantime as well if you want something else historical to consume alongside, like I said, Into the World by Stephanie Parkin is our next novel. Yep, and we'll be posting on the 1st of June all our reading for this month and as well as make note of the bonus episode coming up and the live event so you can not panic about having to set timers or anything for that. Yes, so much happening. So exciting. Yeah. yeah. Much, much history. Much history. So much content. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, happy reading. You deleted my sentence when you wow. typed. What did that say? I don't know. Now it says I under. Oh, I deleted my sentence. I was like, when you added the thing, it's gone. I don't know how I did that. Cool. Various kind of issues with racism and homophobia that are, I'm struggling today, homophobia. Let's say that again. Just a heads up. (laughs) (coughs) This is why we don't record on a Friday. (laughs) This is why we should record on a Friday morning. All right. I didn't even have any. I was going to drink red wine last night and I didn't because I was like, you're recording a podcast in the morning. All right. I'm not going to undo my water bottle because it's really loud. This is getting edited out. <laughs> I know. This oh, is that's getting... true. I can drink it first. Hang on. This, can be, this is going to be put at the end of the podcast as a blooper. I'm saying I didn't drink red wine last night. All right. not having it today we're struggling today we're really struggling um okay so to give everyone a great a basic overview of the show uh it's broadly based on the about the production of a film about the life of peg and whistle <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> i wrote this last night and i did not edit for timeless <laughs> ah. <laughs> abbas if you were wondering. Right. <laughs> uh. If we keep going and lighting a candle, because my room smells weird. Alrighty. I love it. I love it. It's okay. not going well. Okay, we can, we can do this. <laughs> Every time I move now, I'm so hyper aware of the noise of my chair. <laughs> Okay. We are first introduced to Jack Costello, who's a returning student. A student. A returning <laughs> student. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna re- rephrase this. Uh, it's not good, is it? No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I'm looking at online tests. They um, were computers. That was. That's what they were called. Oh really? Oh sorry, yeah. I haven't seen it. Sorry, all I heard was like. They were computers. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they called them that. Um, They're just standing there going, beep, boop, boop. 
No, like they did the, the computing of the maths. They were like, yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Um, <laughs> took me by surprise. And to our more exciting quick yeah. special announcement. Announcement. I'm gonna say that again. <laughs> Again, the whole bit. Hillary, you look like you've got something to say, do you? <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's good! There we go! Oh god, that was a fucking struggle. We got there! That was so- you're gonna cut so much of that out! <laughs>